if we don't kill this woman, the Nazis are going to blow everything up because they're going to get the bomb first, guys. What? Are you fucking kidding me? There's no other way. <laughs> Captain's Pod, Stardate 12, 2164.1. Welcome aboard the Starship's Enterprise, and thank you for joining us as we take a brief shore leave from the world of Cinema Sins to explore the universe of Star Trek. I'm your Captain Ian Whittington, and with me as always, she can end a civil war with her index finger. It's Ambassador Danae. I prefer my pinky. Ah, okay, why? Because they make promises. Oh. Can index fingers not make promises? No, no, that's the rule. It's only the pinkies. It's just the pinky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pinky, palm, those are the two. Wait, how does a palm, handshakes. A palm help? Handshakes. Mm-hmm. Handshakes and civil wars. Yeah, that makes sense. Handshakes and pinkies. Index fingers, it's too close to the middle finger. It can be very confusing. Oh, you get like a, a sudden fake out? Like you think you're going for an index finger and then suddenly, nope, fuck you, middle finger. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> or the peace sign flipped around the wrong way. Very naughty. Didn't yeah. know that until I no, met you. I remember you doing that in, I think it was in England. Oh, no, you didn't do it, but I've, I saw you throw it up and I was like, oh, why are you swearing at me? And so in America, is there just like no backwards way of doing that? Like for us, the peace sign is palm forward and then fuck you is spinning it round. Yeah, I didn't know that until I met you. And yeah. then- and then when you explained it to me, we were in England mm. because you were trying to keep me from causing trouble. Yeah, especially in traffic. Like you, you throw up the throw up the birds, then you're gonna get into trouble in traffic. Yeah, and on a roundabout, they could just you. It's just a forever. Oh, they could chase. just chase you. Just a yeah, circu- that's a, yeah, mm-hmm, a circular nightmare. At least twelve people die every year on roundabouts just because they can't escape. Anyway, speaking of spinning round and round, um, it's time for our unconventional love episodes to continue but before that let's do some emails emails okay hailing frequencies open everyone it's time for us to read your emails from discord twitter and well email we have another audio message so the email i was going to do this week i'm going to do next week um because this audio um specifically talks about this week's episode i think i can't remember i've listened to it I can't exactly remember. And this is from Alexander Bakur. I like I like that we're just mispronouncing names now. It's my new favorite thing. You have to send Ian the specifications mm-hmm, of how mm-hmm. to pronounce your name. Otherwise, you never know what's going to happen. Alexander Bakar. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how that, how that says. Let, let's, let's, let's hear from Ander. Good morning, Captain. The officer of the deck sends her respects and wishes to inform you of the approaching hour. All reports in hand request permission to strike eight bells on time. Now, I had a bit of a back and forth with um, Alexander because I had no idea what the beginning of that message meant. So it's um, the, it's like it's strike eight bells on time. The officer of the deck has a report and whatnot. And Alexander is in the US Navy. And that is how they're like when they're reporting to the captain at the end of the watch there's like this official way to present the report. And the eight bells refer to there are eight bells that are sounded at the end of each watch. At every, I think it was at every at like four, four hour intervals. So um, <laughs> Alex said that he wishes that Gene Roddenberry had done this at the beginning of like the official start, the like the reports that were given to like Captain Picard and Captain Kirk, like really official and like sounding of the eight bells. 
But can you imagine if you were in the military? Like, let's say that you nope. were in the U.S. Nope, we Navy. can just end that there. Nope, I can't. <laughs> and you're watching Star Trek, and they did something that was so much like the U.S. Navy, like naval systems. Oh, be too triggering. Would be clenched the whole yeah. time. You couldn't relax. Completely. You'd be like, <gasps> like you're at attention. You're you're trying to like you're in your lazy boy, and all of a sudden you just fly up into attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, immediately. Although, it's like captain on the deck. I have to I have to assume that it would be really interesting to watch a show like this if you were in the navy considering that we've like made the correlation before. Oh, absolutely. Um there's a couple of listeners Cameron's one of them that has experience in the military and is often like noting these comparisons. I I yeah. love that. It's so interesting. Um and these 4-hour watches that are signaled by the eight bells are at midnight, 4 a.m., 8 a.m., 12, 1600 and 2000. So it's like it's the middle of the morning. It's like bells, bells, bells. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. You can't actually fall into a deep sleep. You know, nope. you have to stay at the ready. Honestly, I'm glad for the explanation because my assumption was that it was like Minecraft. They have these bells in Minecraft, and every time I play with Ian, he just just mashes the bells. They are so he, loud. He'll walk in a door and be like, "They're amazing!" Like a maniac. You just line them up and you're just, just a fucking maniac on the bells. So great, I love it. Okay, back to Alexander. With your permission, Captain, I am super excited to hear Ambassador Danae's opinions and thoughts and reactions to City on the Edge of Forever, one of the best TOS episodes of all time, and rightfully so with all the awards and everything, because it's such a deep and amazing episode. So, this- No fucking pressure. Right? This is a nice <laughs> tie-in, and City on the the City on the Edge of Forever is it, it won awards like critics love it fans love it everybody pretty much agrees it's an incredible episode of star trek great episode of sci-fi has a huge caliber behind it and i don't say that with any pressure for you to like it but i'm always fascinated by that like how does that change your expectations like going into the episode it, it, I am now nervous where I was once just like, yep, I'm going to sit down and watch some tar- Star Trek with my buddy today. Uh, we're going to we're going to have a live audience at some point. Hopefully they still don't hate me because of what I said about Jadzia last week. Like my my now it's even more. Now it feels like a Jadzia level situation where there's just like these expectations of what I might feel. But you know what? Mm. I'm just going to be me just and I'm going to watch it and I'm yeah. just going to say what I say. And oh, my God. It. Yep, just enjoy it. Ignore the nerds. Just enjoy what you're going to enjoy. Hate what you're going to hate. Wasn't there a episode recently that was award winning and and we were like kind of confused by that? Was it the one where was it the chest bursting one? Oh no, yeah, but that one won an award for like practical effects. Okay, okay, <laughs> that, 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 that I kind of understand. <laughs> That's not winning an award for writing. That was um conspiracy. Okay, back to Alex. So I'm super excited to see what she ultimately thinks. That being said. Uh, it is aluminum, not aluminium. Thank you. Right. No. And and Alex goes on. No, no, no. On no just to, keep going. No, we, don't no, no. Need, we don't need to no, interrupt. No, no, we don't no, need to no, interrupt no, the no, man. No, let's no, let's Alex, just let it play. Let's he, let it play. We'll he, we'll said it. he said what he we'll said. Ahead. Let's just go. Let's we'll give ahead. He, he, he says some things. Let's just he, go on. Because the guy who discovered aluminum said its name is aluminum, but the Royal Science Academy didn't like it because something to do with Latin naming. I don't remember the exact reasoning, but the man who discovered it said it's aluminum. Everybody else is wrong. Well, now it's because these new elements and whatnot have to be, they have to end in an eum. They have to end in an I-U, I-U-M. So you can't just name it 
Poop. Spock. Like, it has to be named an Eum. But they, they've kind of done away with that anyway. But fine. Agree to disagree. But back to Star Trek. I do have the question of with how much Danae loves her wharf and subsequently Klingons, when do we get a Klingon-centric season? Because there are so many bangers. I would definitely love to hear her reaction on that one Enterprise episode, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, we all know which Enterprise no, we, we do. We I have do. no idea what you're talking about. You don't, that's but part we of why. I, that's why I'm here. I'm I'm it the one be, that doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, it would that would be fun. I look forward to that because there's so many great Klingon episodes all throughout every series minus the discovery but that's because i hate those klingons i'm one of those weird ones i get it outside of that i would love to hear the ambassador's opinions about galron about martok about kern there are just so many klingons that stand out and that needs to happen sooner rather than later also horda forever and always greatest tos monster period the end please excuse me captain Ambassador, pleasure as always. Oh, quick sidebar. You have no idea how much I had to edit this down. Talking Star Trek is one of my all-time favorite pastimes, and listening to you guys talk about it gets me so ramped up, and I love it, and I enjoy everything. The only problem is it got me rambling, and there were a number of times I had to cut it out. (laughs) We feel that pain every week, every single week. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for the message. It was wonderfully edited and uh, the passion can be heard. Mm. I also I also love that you had several things that you really wanted to talk about. Um, and aluminum was one of them. That was fantastic. I disagree. I don't think that was I don't think that was very interesting at all. I think but that truly was... <laughs> one of the differences about this podcast. I'm learning as I go. And as I've looked at other podcasts, other Star Trek podcasts out there um, is that we're kind of not doing it like show by show season by season Mm. we're doing thematics and that was sort of something that just happened naturally from the show just progressing so the fact that we have now had someone say let's go to do Klingon conversation yeah there's so many different themes that we could pull from and I'm sure there's episodes we could watch multiple times that fit into many themes so I'm sure you've just inspired others to think about other themes that you want us to cover too mm-hmm. yeah always feel free to suggest a theme for sure um I think there's just a little bit more of Alex's message that being said live long in Potsper oh I just missed the live long in Potsper that was it amazing that was such an important part of the message that was, so, that was really important it's, live long I in like Potsper. it when slogans catch on um, yeah, doing the Klingons is an absolutely great idea. There are so many. So I think what may happen in the future is that we will, just because we visited a topic doesn't mean we won't return to it. So it might be Klingons part one, um, Q part one, something like that. And then we'll revisit it. Like, I don't know. Again, this is where we're going to need your help, everybody, to suggest the best Klingon episodes or the best episodes for whatever theme that we're going to do next um, and best can be interpreted many, many different ways. Let's be 100%, honest. 100%. Yeah. I think Just favorite. For me, it's really fun to learn about the lore of a species. For example, mm-hmm. learning that, you know, in TOS, the Klingons were the enemy and then they yes. shifted over. So there's a lot to kind of be unpacked if we were to switch over into Klingon territory. <laughs> you get mm. it? 
Please. Into across Please. the neutral zone into Klingon <laughs> territory. Uh, I mean, it's amazing that ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the Klingon law was made in TNG, and we did watch one which had like Wolf and like the death screaming thing. I think that was one we did. This was the first time that Wolf meets other Klingons on board the Enterprise, and one of them dies. And I, oh, yeah. I think we did it. I'm pretty sure we did it on the show. We I'm need to have sure a wiki. We yeah, we do. Need. I mean, I have a personal spreadsheet. I do not. I do not have a wiki. wiki. Someone out there make a captain's pod wiki. Um, <laughs> yeah, get on it, fans. Get on it right now, people. <laughs> we have we have several requests. One, make our wiki. Two, suggest yeah. us on all kinds of platforms yeah. where people are talking about Star Trek, Reddit, podcast websites, wherever your Star Trek delights you. Talk about us. And three, send us treats. No, wait, no, yes, no. Send us dogs. <laughs> Okay, four dogs? Yeah, send us dogs. Please do not send anything living in the mail. No, please don't do that. Just Okay, it's just going to turn up on your doorstep now. Here's the ambassador's address. She will happily take your dogs. <laughs> and cats. I do have the cat sleeping in Iris's room. Of course you do. Uh, right of course you do. I forgot what my number four was. Oh, yeah, your suggestions. <laughs> oh, yeah, suggestions. Amazing. Well, thank you for the audio, Alex. Um, Or Alexander, didn't specify. Did you? Maybe you did. Hang on, let me check. You did, Alex. Um, and yeah, anyone else out there that has audio, visual, emails, send them over uh, captainspod at cinemasins.com on Twitter slash X um, at captainspodcs and on the Discord. Discord. No, Discord slash GG. No, wait. Discord. Dis wait. Discord.gg slash cinemasins. Yeah? That's it. You got it. it on your first try. There we go. First time. <laughs> Okay, Ambassador. So that is one audio message um, with somebody very hyped to hear your thoughts on City on the Edge of Forever. Lots of emails. People very happy that we're doing this episode. I will say it is not technically unconventional love. I God think, damn it. I think this is just straight up love. However, you can't be mad at me because the fan suggested it. And this won. This won the popular vote. This was the number one most requested episode. Not just for this theme, for previous themes. I think people just want us to do this episode. But to be clear, there was actually no vote. It was just sending in suggestions. Yeah, which I guess is a vote because more than one one episode <laughs> got more than one request. So there was a tally. It won the so tally. So there's a difference between most requested and then most voted. C okay, yes. Most requested. We'll go with that. With all of those expectations, let's have a couple of predictions. What does what strikes you about City on the Edge of Forever? Mm. So uh, I think that we're going to be like visiting a planet, and there's a like a, a what is what is that the, the the fountain of youth aspect? Oh, interesting. Yeah, forever. That makes sense. Yeah, something about a place you want to stay forever and you don't want to leave. Mm. And being youthful seems to be a very common writer's theme for wanting yeah. to stay somewhere. It makes you feel young and vibrant and energetic. Yeah, immortality is one of those great story plots. And when you find it, is it the thing that you think you wanted or is it actually a curse? Yeah, it's just an infusion of collagen, you know. Yeah, that's, that's all it is. <laughs> and give us one oddly specific prediction. Oddly specific prediction is a collagen injection. <laughs> a collagen injection. That's. I mean, um, I I know this episode, and I I can already tell you you're going to try and claim a victory on that one. 
city on the edge of tomorrow. Well, since you said that, I'm going to say injection of some kind. Like mm. there's an, there's something injected. Yeah. Right now, the, something the, is, the audience is screaming at me. Something is forcibly pushed through tissue in an injection style. Now, this is this is not I, this. This could be this. <laughs> what are we I cannot wait. I cannot wait to talk about this after oh, we no. watch the episode. Oh, no. What have I done? It's so great. It's so great because. Do you think people believe like believe us that I have no idea? No, no, I do. I do believe because we actually we had an email that it was somebody that's going through all of Strange New our Strange New Worlds coverage at the minute and Picard season two, I think, or season three, and they were stunned by your predictions and were like hoping that we revisit them at some point and just oh my god, we should talk to how spooky your predictions are. So people are still like shocked by it. Well, I just want to say, well, these these episodes exist. Like, I could have looked them up before the show, mm-hmm. and you just have to trust that I didn't. But that yeah. was funny because I was just thinking about college and injections, and then I was thinking well, about like, yeah. So now I'm really curious what's, what's going to happen. Oh, what's no. incredible about this is that you fluked your way into it and then fluked your way out of it completely. It's it's <laughs> oh, amazing. No. It's so okay, good. Okay, well then I'm going to change it. I'm going to change no, no, it. So no, no, it's an no, injection no, no, no. of some kind. In. It's locked in. You real, can't just delete just this. general you can't, no. injection. <laughs> no, no. Injection of no. something. Go- <laughs> what I do want you to know before we go into this episode, <laughs> and we'll talk about this um, in 10 Forward quite a bit, this had one of the most tumultuous behind-the-scenes um, processes, I think, of any episode of Star Trek. From the writing to the production, in in the 60s, it cost $250,000 to make this one episode of television, $50,000 over budget. It's only 10% of what they originally wanted to do. Jesus Christ! This episode could have been insane, and it is still an absolute feat of, of... of 60s television it's it's uh, that's just an interesting thing to have in mind um while you're watching it i think okay so that just means we've got we've got set building we've got people that we're paying to be on set maybe it's, uh interesting wardrobe that had to be created because that costs money it's a ama- it could have been a garbage fire it's amazing that it ends up being an all-timer episode what if i hate it oh god i'm so you nervous. might hate it hand on heart it's not one of my favorite episodes i respect it but it is not one that I go back to a lot. Okay, with that, let's head over to Tenford for a full debrief after we've been to the holodeck. Two to be out. Welcome to Captain's Pod, everyone. Oh, wait, no, we already did that part. No, continue. Welcome to Captain's Pod, the part of the show where we go to the debrief room and grab a drink or whatever we want from a replicator that has not been cleaned out in a long time and probably contains some sort of bacterium that will infect everyone and turn us into tiny little uh, sack creatures. It's good that you mentioned that the replicator hasn't been cleaned out because we aren't using it this week. This week, we're getting something from the soup kitchen. What would you like, Ambassador? Oh, just the thickest, most bitter, aromatic coffee Uh that puts hair on your chest, so they say. Yep. I want, when you drink it, you regret having a throat, taste buds, mm-hmm. really just a digestive system yep. entirely. But, but but you don't feel tired anymore. <laughs> no, and it will cure a cordrazine injection, which I, I think is basically adrenaline. So I'm not sure how more coffee, adrenaline in liquid form, 
is actually going to help, but it definitely cures McCoy. Um, I would like that really. Is it that? Is what? it that that cures McCoy, or is it love? I think it's love, Let's time, talk about it. Let's it's talk about time it. and waviness. Um, I actually want just the bread. That's yeah. it. That looked like mm-hmm. a really nice bit of doorstop bread. I like. Give us a synopsis, Ambassador. Ooh, okay. Well, what we knew going into this episode is this was really expensive to make, and I made some predictions, and boy, was I right. That's we all that matters. We need to do the predictions <laughs> first. We really, really do. Um. Okay. So, so the synopsis of this episode is that. Um, our Kirk and Spock and McCoy travel back in time, but not in that order. McCoy goes first because he's a lunatic and he just jumps through the the space hoop. Mm-hmm. Medically induced lunacy. Yeah. Yeah. Great way to put that. Uh, because he beamed himself down onto the nearby random planet because he is paranoid after injecting himself with things he shouldn't have injected him. Accidentally. Mm-hmm. Accidentally. It was it was not anybody's fault but his own. I this don't is why we, know. Well, this is why we don't walk around with you know scissors. This really is, why is you really you sh- you have to really be careful. With don't equipment. run with scissors or needles or cordrazine or there, there should have been like a rubber stop that he puts Something. on top of the yeah the needle yeah yeah don't be yeah. such a dumbass McCoy. But if he would have done that, then he wouldn't have traveled back to the 1930s where he inadvertently uh, changes time forever. And so that's why Kirk and Spock have to go back through. And if they're not successful, boy, everybody else has to go back through. But we forget about that subplot Mm -hmm. entirely because they end up saving the day, but only after falling in love and also murder murder and an accidental phasering as well which is just the most random is that what part happened? of the yeah, I have fa- so many questions let's, <laughs> let's I did get not into know it. what the fuck that was what, I was like did, what just did he what ha- what was that did he beam himself somewhere no I looks like it uh great synopsis ambassador um Thank you. no pressure overall thoughts and feelings on the episode did you have a good time with it um yeah okay so I think I had a good time with this one. Mm-hmm. I think I know why it's really beloved. And by the end of it, I I really felt myself enjoying it. But the nice. pacing of TOS is yeah. so different so than the different. pacing of what I'm used to watching. So yeah. there were many moments where, like, the fact that they made so many in a season blows my mind. They, that they just fill it's, all this it's time. It's incredible. Like, 29 episodes... 29 is just yeah. in in it, one year it's a is lot. incredible this is this is what you would consider like tv movie length uh you know now it like when i'm watching something now if it's if it's nearing an hour i call it a tv movie you know where you're investing a bit of time it's a special you know like mm-hmm. it's a tv special whenever they're this long so to imagine that there's that much time to fill um i did i thought they did a, a good job because even the parts where it seemed a bit slow there was still some storytelling going on on mm-hmm. screen the the didn't seem like the writers were really ever not trying to say something specific like how many times did we cut back to the room that spock and kirk were in but every time we did kirk's little experiment just kept growing and growing and growing so mm-hmm. you know it wasn't like there was nothing happening it was that it was a slower paced to get there and the reveals yeah. of these bits of information. Um, I, I was, by the time we find out that the love interest woman who somehow has this intuition about the future 
it mm-hmm. has to it is either going to die or not die just depending by the time we got to that i really needed that to propel the rest of the episode forward because i was yeah like, i get it, it what <clears> else <throat> is happening because mccoy hadn't shown up so it was yeah. pretty evident that mccoy wasn't going to be the action of this episode the action of this episode is this like love interest and mm-hmm. i usually want want out when it's a love interest which is i mean i mean and i recognize that we're like in a series we're doing (laughs) love stuff so i like i get it it doesn't make sense but um this was the perfect this was a really really good love episode because it was unconventional love this was yeah, this was tragic watched it i do think it fits the it fits the it's not all about the love it's about a choice that kirk has to make based on two weeks of horniness yeah it was uh it had it had a really good dramatic element i felt i mean there's a lot of ways that you can pick anything apart of course part especially of time jobs, travel it's to pick things apart but um i didn't mind it and i didn't mind that the unconventional part of this wasn't like him falling in love and you know trying to figure out how he can stay in the past or or whatever because there's even that moment at the end where the magical gate guy mm-hmm. guardian yeah. The Guardian, the Guardian like, of Forever. Basically, he goes, you want to go again? Yeah. And you can kind of see him <laughs> thinking. Just out of here. <laughs> yeah, but he had a chance to go back, right? Like, he could have mm-hmm. gone and done that again. And, and Terrible Guardian, by the way. Terrible. terrible. Like, just, just the worst. The Guardian um, of Forever. Yeah, you've hit on the thing that watching it this time round really struck me, too, is that it's... I, I love this as a sci-fi story, and it, it's a classic for a reason. And... Bits of it do clip along quite well, but the drip feeding of the mystery, I think we'd probably see that done differently today. Like, yeah. For me, like what I do like about the mystery is that we don't know exactly what the change is. So we know that Edith is at the heart of it, but it's quite clever that we don't know if they're supposed to keep her alive or if she's supposed to die. And yeah. with this time round, I was kind of like, I wish we got there sooner. Like, I wish we knew that Edith had to die a bit sooner so that Kirk had a bit more time to wrestle with it because that back like 10 minutes runs away with itself like it, it's gone it's so 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 quick um and I I did feel some of the probably now the because I know it was meant to be like an hour and a half it was like the original script and idea was 90 minutes this looks nothing like the original script um i can feel like a little bit of the back end of the mystery rushed a little bit but the heart is the heart is still there yeah so before we watched it you kind of told me that this was a very expensive one i made some i made some assumptions about why and i was super right like it is expensive because they had big sets we went to we had a lot of people we had a lot of props a lot of extras a lot going on beautiful time portal that like flashes up and lights up and I kind of think it's clever that it has the smoke that drops down to give like the the projection image. Like, the, what can we do to make this look fancy? Because steam. CGI doesn't invent hasn't happened yet. Let's make it steam powered, <laughs> steam powered time machine, people. Let's go. Yeah, because you told me that I watched this entire episode, kind of thinking about how they spent their money on mm-hmm. on this episode. And the first thing, yeah, is the gate where yeah. they lit it up. And somebody's over there just pressing the button as it talks, you know, sort of like, I am the guardian of time. And every time <laughs> yes. he speaks, it kind of like lights up. Which is like, that. that's not the only show where they had to do this. So in Doctor Who, the Daleks 
would have this like incredible mechanical voice and the person that was inside the Daleks would operate the lights and they had to press the button every time somebody on the outside was saying the line so that the lights on the top matched up with the syllables being said. So it's just like this, these this should be such an easy thing, but it takes three people to operate. Um, you also told me uh, that this was gonna was supposed to be longer, and and mm. and as I watched it, I I was thankful it wasn't. Um, but I don't mm-hmm. know. At least oh, I don't know. I it's mean, so different from the original script. You said I. I mean, I have yeah. no. I have not read the original. So, did you read the original script then, or no? I've read like synopses online. Like um, Harlan Ellison wrote a book about it, about this the process of making this episode and writing this script. Um, and I've gone like through some websites and tried to codify some rumors that I'd heard. And it's so interesting. So, I mean, it's impossible to talk about this episode without going into the behind the scenes a little bit. Um, so, Gene wanted Star Trek to be this like uh prestige sci-fi show and he wanted to ensure that by bringing on the best sci-fi writers so you'd have your staffers but he wanted to get big names attached to the show and in the 60s harlan ellison was a huge huge name in sci-fi um and since then has gained a reputation for being quite um an eccentric genius that's quite irritable i think is a kind way to put it he's absolutely a genius but um, it took, um, I think the total amount of time from conception to actually making the episode was 10 months. And about nine months of that was just getting the script nailed down. Because the first thing that he wrote was this 90 minute epic. And the Guardians were these nine foot um, alien creatures that were actually in this abandoned city. There was a subplot about like it wasn't McCoy that goes down to the planet. It's this member of the ship that was going to be executed for, I think it was dealing drugs or doing something on the ship. He's being taken down to the planet to be put to a firing squad because Ellison hadn't read the Star Trek rulebook or it didn't exist yet. And in the process of going down to the planet, they find this time machine. This rogue officer jumps through the portal, changes time. They go back to the ship and the Enterprise is still there, but it's a pirate ship because the Federation doesn't exist and they're all pirates now. So they fight their way off the ship to go back down to the planet to go back in time. And it's just like this epic story that they, as soon as they read it, they're like, there is literally no way we could, what are you doing? We cannot, we cannot make this episode of TV. So it went That's got to be so hard. Like you and I know so, so very hard. well what it feels like to write something you're passionate about and then your co-writer's like, we can't do that. And yeah. you're like, oh, but I want to do this thing, do so you know, so badly. But there's like parameters to it. Mm-hmm. And there's an element of you, uh, at least in our world, in our little our little corner of the internet, we can sometimes stretch the idea of what the narrator is sinning. Like, what is a sin? And kind of get goofy or get silly or even in the production of it and kind of go, let's break the sin counter. Like, we kind of sometimes will think about these unique things, but still we will often hit some kind of a guardrail mm-hmm. or or a boundary or just a hard no. We can't do that. And it's sometimes really hard to 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 kind of like work with people when you're really passionate and everyone is saying no and you're like, but I believe so strongly. I can't. So that's like our little tiny world. That's like our mm-hmm. little, our little tiny little, like our little tree house where the buddies go hang out. This guy is like this revered writer. And how do you go and be like, yeah, no, we can't do that. That must He's have like, been no, hard. 
But they, rumor has it, they basically blame blamed on the studio and said the studio won't allow this to happen. It's nice to have the studio to blame, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Sent it back to Harlem for a rewrite. He rewrote it, trimmed it down, and they said, you haven't changed anything. Like, this is, this is still... This is still a movie. It's it's not different enough. So there was like months and months of back and forth. Harlan was getting allegedly pissier and pissier about it. Um, and so the and this is going on for so long that during that first season of Star Trek, head writers were coming and going. There were new teams in place. So many hands touched this script. It went for another rewrite, and they were still like, "It's better," but now it's lost the passion that Harlan put into the story so it's lost some of that oomph he was just like i disown this script i want nothing to do with it this is nothing to do with me they changed it so that it was mccoy that was going to the planet but instead like mccoy goes down there and gets like infected with a mushroom that he accidentally injects himself with and has a disease that way we don't like that so they settled on the corgazine and long story short everybody had touched this eventually got it close to what it is now gene had another go at it sent it back to harlan who had another another go on it but still hated it and refused to put his name on roddenberry and uh coon's final script so gene allegedly said yeah i'm gonna get you blacklisted if you don't put your name on this because the whole point really was to bring in a big name that big written by Harlan Ellison at the end of the episode. Good so it's Lord. only written by one person. Everyone else who touched it said, I, it's, it's fine. We won't have our names on it. This is all about Harlan. And so eventually he conceded and said, fine. But this bears little to no resemblance to the original script. And it's just like, it's just amazing that this episode ever happened. It was meant to be in the opening 10 episodes. And it got shunted all the way to the end. Like, we have to have this in season one because they didn't know they were getting a season two. They're like, we, we've got to get this script on there. Um, it's, just, it's so interesting when you see these behind the scenes stories and just like the passion behind it, the project that you could have seen. There's part of me that wants to see this 90 minute episode where like the Enterprise is a pirate ship. You've got the nine foot aliens with huge heads. He like created this entire city that they were going to walk around as well. Um, so yeah, it's just it's fascinating to think about what could have been. Yeah, but that's not what we saw at all. No, like nothing no. that you just described. Th- what you just described is like when my little one describes, you know, the bedroom of her dreams, and then she walks in and uh-huh. it's just her actual room. <laughs> and that's <laughs> like, kind of reality, isn't it? Like Harlan clearly didn't have any like kind of guide rails. They were just like write something for us, and he went, "Okay, I will," and he did. And it is kind of crushing to think. That well, you asked me to write something, and now you can't do it, and you can't even get close to it. Like I can't imagine how disappointing. Like he gets painted as pretty aggressive, but I can't imagine how disappointing that is to just be shot down and to see your baby become something totally different. And then people still love it. There's a there's a thing, right? Like if somebody said, "Hey, Danae, I want you to write something because we want to like explore your imagination and, and hear what you have in there. And then you pour all of it in there. And then afterwards, you're told the parameters of it. Mm-hmm. That would be really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather know, hey, okay, you're going to write something that can only be on screen for under an hour. We can't make entire sets or anything like that. Uh, here's the parameters of what each character is is and is not allowed to do. And maybe they did. Maybe they did give some parameters, and it was just like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stretch the imagination. Yeah. But 
you know, this does some this does some things that I feel become sort of a normalcy for Star Trek, like time travel and mm-hmm. diverging. The past. Yeah, one decision that can change the future. Um, having to survive, and we got Spock's beanie. What else do we, we need? I mean, you know? the appearance of Spock's beanie. Like, I'll never forget your reaction when I first when when you in Strange New Worlds and you saw the beanie, and you're like, I can't believe he has a Star Trek Delta beanie. And I'm like, oh, this isn't the first time we've seen this the, the Spock I beanie. I know. Like, and now I've seen perfect. the original episode. Like, I'm so excited. I don't excited. know if this is the first time. I think it this is. This has to be the first time. I think it's the first in time. In history, because it happened in 1930. I guess. Technically, that's true. But I think there is another <laughs> time travel episode, but this might be the earliest they go. While but the think, Spock well, Beanie is iconic. While we're talking about, like, the expense of the show and the setup and the set before mm. we kind of go through different things, I was thankful that the chat pointed out that the street location was the main street of the Mayberry redress. And I kept thinking this, like, did they put a lot of their money into a set build it looked no. so perfectly done and i thought they must have reused yeah they used another something. lot on the paramount lot but yeah. that's so cool like you get to go on there and you get to read reuse things that are already in use and find a clever way to do it um <laughs> imagine if you used like the same extras but forgot to tell them they were filming star trek and just like well this show is taking a turn that this is totally different that's almost exactly what happened you had ma- you have like <laughs> All of a sudden, yeah, Star like, Trek shows whoa. up and everyone's like, Why are you in pajamas? Why are... Oh, because you're Chinese. Duh. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, oh, woof. the things it's that the 60s. we... Oh, An the things we did. rice picking accident. Bended me. Yeah. Yeah, I do we'll love just send that giving one. that description. Fucking send that shit. It's, it's, it's so bad. Yeah, that was um, bad. That was the... That was... Aside from the telegraphed love music... So like mm-hmm. that reference. Oh, and the misty filter on Joan Collins whenever oh, she appears. Yeah, I don't mind a misty filter. Like <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'll just you know like lick my thumb and smudge my webcam just for that filter. Uh, like you know, yeah, there's a place it. for yeah. it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice uh, soft focus. No, no, no. That was that was the biggest like oof of it. And then the the telegraphed music was my second oof because this this episode. There's creepy music going on. Like there's a suspense music kind of happening. There's like a little bit of like, I don't know, Twilight Zone-ish feel to it. It's I very guess. Twilight Zone. I mean, he did write for the Twilight Zone. No, wait, he wrote for... Did he? Okay. Like, did he write... Look at my accidental... Wrote... No, wait. Oops. He wrote an episode of The Outer Limits. Okay. I think he did an episode of The Twilight Zone as well. It's definitely more in his wheelhouse because you can just be off the rails. Right. Well, either way, it had that vibe to it where it's like a little wacky Wednesday-ish where just everything's slightly off and the music has this undertone of a tension build that uh, was really like that was interesting. But every time that the swoony music came on between the two of them, mm-hmm. I kept thinking like if the music had stayed the same, this is a horror movie. This is a horror thing because oh, it is because yeah. Kirk is super creepy. He's like. If Spock says that he's going to do something. I hate that moment. He's going to do something. But he's like you smiling like. It's your reputation that he's going to. He's just like, what are you going to do to her? Like, are you are you going to murder her and like put her in with the coal? It's It was it, like he was going for seductive, but yeah. lands in, in serial killer. But he has a smile that because of the music and because we love the character we're going to put it over here in the safe category but in the Mm -hmm. real world if he had said that and it was just silence in this sort of old basement where the only sound is the crackling (laughs) of the fire you know that was so scary i'm like run woman you have 
two men that show up in your basement just fucking yeah. run you know anyway yeah and if her reaction is anything other than hey would you like to walk me home if she's like scared there's a totally different tone to that as well so yeah there is an element of rushed romance to this she falls in love with kirk hard and fast and that's something i never but he never falls fully for understand. her too and he falls for her too and it works in service of the story it's fine but it, this is where i'll give it a pass because it really is the key to this time element thing um and you mentioned earlier about how this has the hallmarks of like time travel stories in the future i i love the really clever element that they're convinced it's mccoy that's going to be the problem but it has that extra layer of actually kirk is the potential problem here because they only go back in time because of mccoy and he potentially saves um saves her or doesn't stop mccoy from saving her i'm not too sure there's a lot of this that doesn't actually make sense but <laughs> i like that layer of not knowing who is supposed to be the one that's going to save edith well it seemed like before so mccoy goes back in time she keeps him and and is looking after him and then whenever kirk goes back in time he has a date with her that night so she leaves him she leaves mccoy to go on a date yeah so if mccoy hadn't been there in the first place she would have been leaving or she would have been going out and doing something instead of staying in so by mccoy being there when he oh, went through he inadvertently kept her from being hit by a car but isn't the date with kirk that same night yeah but that happens after he goes back in time so then they go so spock and kirk go back to predate oh, mccoy right and so then because kirk is taking her on a date he then puts her back in the line of fire right okay which of course they don't know until it until it happens listen the time travel in this episode doesn't work it does not make sense well time travel rarely makes any sense fair totally fair it was really interesting too like the the building tension that like her almost falling down the stairs and her almost oh, getting hit by the moment. car when they first walk across the street just yes. this sort of like whoo and i love that spot calls him out and just like you need to stop <laughs> like at any minute she could be dead and should be dead uh, the universe <laughs> wants this please stop letting her not fall downstairs <laughs> yeah so this is, this is where I need, my brain is bending a bit so mccoy goes back in time changes history by preventing her from getting killed by the car uh however this doesn't delete kirk and the away team they are somehow on the planet still protected and isolated then they go back in time to stop mccoy but might accidentally cause it as well that's where i get backwards but like but it's the what was going to happen was always going to happen as as the chat points out what happened happened like maybe kirk going back in time to put her on a path to kill her is was the actual yeah maybe that was Ma the actual thing that maybe. i mean it is the actual thing that who happens knows? in history yeah who knows oh my goodness so thank you kirk for stopping the germans in world war ii i guess sorry not the germans the nazis this is a thing that bugs me with like tv shows from like the 60s 70s around that time and some movies is when they say ah the germans as i know it wasn't the germans it was the nazis and there is a distinction there because we were all part of armies that were fighting as well and it's it's not the germans were evil it wasn't the germans it, it was the nazis yeah but that's something that's much you see that much less nowadays when you yeah. see time travel stuff in episodes yeah let's break down this episode so so we first have like when the when the when the show starts i've kind of talked about the big themes here um 
we got to see them shaking around. And I, know I this love is, the cold open. Yeah, I do too. And I know that probably for so many people listening to a podcast, existing Star Trek lovers, like this is just something that you're like, yeah, this is ha- this happens. But for me, I haven't really seen TOS shaky around on the bridge very much and so it sort of feels like a treat in a weird way it does i know what you mean (laughs) i'll show you some more action episodes but i love this cold open you got like the dramatic music the ship being thrown around there are time distortions that are affecting the fabric of the space continuum Mm -hmm. and spock is like people chill out i gotta get my readings you know sulu has just been blown up and spock's just like nearly done this is really scientifically important yeah how did that I gotta, happen I gotta look at my visor oh my god we were That's I, so I funny. was we're like we're watching it and i'm thinking hmm i'm pretty sure that the the way that they have their rail system really did need to change so by tng the rails are like at waist length so that when they're falling mm. forward it's not at mm-hmm. shin length like it's the shin height yeah Does i mean this- other than wharf's tactical console the amount of times you see like people falling over that, that's impractical. But the ones in TOS were death traps. Yeah. Like that is just perfect. It's perfect. We're gonna pivot over that like a pendulum. Yeah. So just easy. topple on over. Yeah. But I really, I really in, uh, enjoyed it. And then you know you have this unexpected moment. But can we talk about my predictions? Because yeah, obviously let's, let's I nailed it. Obviously, this is a big so, one for me. I'm super excited. <laughs> Your overall <laughs> prediction was that we would be going down to a planet. And there would be a fountain of youth experience kind of thing. No, didn't get that one. However, mm-hmm. your oddly specific <laughs> prediction uh, was that there would be like an injection of some sort. And I was like, what are you doing? There's an injection because we jumped from fountain of youth to an injection of collagen. And I was like, this is this is incredible. I was like, there is absolutely an injection. But then you said there is an injection forced upon somebody and it's not. It's clumsy. Oh, come on. It's just on. a clumsy injection. Are you going to... Is that forced? There's I'll two. I'll put it down to clumsiness. There he are, forces, there are two. He forces... Like, he, yeah. like, it's not like a... I didn't mean by... I, I, what I meant by force is someone had to forcibly give somebody an injection. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll give you that. Like, I'll give you that. Like an attack. Yeah, I more thought you meant like they're being held down and then injected with it. But, Which, I, I mean, mean, well, one of them's unconscious. The he is being held, but that doesn't... The, yeah. the ship basically holds down McCoy and makes him stab himself. And this was <laughs> this was one of like Harlan Ellison's objections was this is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. And it, I, the quote is he said, I can't believe a, the the doctor would be so boneheaded as to accidentally inject himself with this stuff. I'm like, yeah, fair. 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 You should yep. come work for Cinema Sins. Rest mm-hmm. in peace. He passed mm-hmm. away years back. But yeah, it's it's the bit of the episode that is so jarring for me just to see McCoy Doctor on the <gasps> flagship, just like Mr. Bean himself, and just inject with this super deadly drug that we've never seen before, just invented for this episode, and it just creates lunacy in the perfect conditions for him to transport himself down to a planet and then back in time. Like, it's so unlucky. I would, if I was Kirk, I would just be looking around going, like, who did this? Like, there's no way this is an accident. Who is out to get oh, me dumb today? Dumb things happen. We are humans and we are dumb fucking dumb. ways to die. <laughs> we, there are so many things that we barely avoid death every day. I, I, do, 
I think that I don't yes, know. I've never... it is unlikely <laughs> and it is dumb, but it is entirely possible. And that was interesting as long as it too. Makes for a great episode. The sort of you know, then we lean on Spock for the information that there's not really been a lot of research into what happens if you OD on this drug, and mm-hmm. but some people get really um, paranoid. Paranoid, yeah. Uh, and then we get to see you know all this. Uh, the adjacent decks are on their security thing, and then the door opens, and there's this fucking crazy doctor that walks in, and his eyes are just like. <laughs> saucers and he's starting to get sores and he's just bat shit and he he just chops somebody and I was I thought that was so great. He just goes chop chop you and giddy. the person falls down. Yes. McCoy uh, knows exactly where to hit somebody. Like they don't need Spock and the neck pinch. Just McCoy's karate chop is absolutely deadly. It's fun. It's always fun to see the tele the telegraphed sort of action sequences in TOS and also the telegraphed love. Things are much mm. more subtle now we have less of a need for like finger biting and um but but we have plenty of of drama another moment later um when the doctor is particularly exhausted and he's clinging on to a um uh, a post on earth and he has just accosted a hobo he just dramatically passes out and i'm I'm loving it He's we, giving it all. He's, he's giving so it all. good. Yeah. He's so great in this episode. He's just <laughs> unhinged. And I always love the makeup they did on this episode with like his mottled skin. That's like, why is this adrenaline thing? It's like a holdover from like him ingesting a mushroom. Like, because that was obviously one version of the script. And I wonder if they just forgot to delete that because he just has this weird complexion going on it's and so she good she just touches him she doesn't yeah, look don't at the touch le- him she's not looking at the lesions and thinking about her leprosy bible studies she's just yeah. like come on in for a hug <laughs> yep get over here let me like, take you, you in. have so many diseases in this century it's unreal that is how we shift onto this planet and come across the ruins now someone in the chat said that originally it was supposed to be runes and then it was misinterpreted is, as ruins is that true yeah i was gonna mention this it's one of my favorite tidbits so um the rumor was that somebody misread the script and harlan allison described this place as a city filled with runes and someone speed read it and read it as city filled with ruins. So he was so disappointed when they came up with these ruins instead of an actual city that had runes everywhere. And he said, no, there's no chance I wrote it wrong. They're just stupid. And then uh, in like a later biography or something, he admits that he remembers a conversation with Matt Jeffries of the Jeffries Tubes. And he verbally told him that he wanted runes, but admits that he may have slurred a word and accidentally said ruins. And Jeffries was sick when he was supposed to be putting all of this together. So someone else had to put it together instead. So it wasn't even Jeffries. So this is all like third hand stuff. But yeah, it was supposed to be this big, glorious city, which they probably couldn't afford to build anyway. And I'm sure they were they were like relieved when they said, "Oh, ruins! No, we're doing we're doing ruins, not runes." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's why. You, but it, it it works for the episode. Like it all fits in for me. Like this abandoned, like in they instead of having these huge guardian aliens and their time machine, they made this amalgamation and just put it into one. Well, let's make the time machine the guardian. Let's make that this organism machine thing that's left behind by a, a civilization. Yeah, and he and, and the purpose of this um, being is to just sit on a planet, 
mm-hmm. and send out like tweets just asking Basically. for hey someone yeah. come over and check me out come, come and play. play with me yeah come play i don't come know play what he's guardianing <laughs> honestly like he's the best way to be time guard- i guess but the best way to be a guardian is to shut that thing down <laughs> what a we weird get- thing yeah like, it looked cool and i liked it and i lo- like we talked about it earlier we don't have to talk about it again but i really liked the it's gorgeous because it wasn't a perfect circle mm-hmm. it was almost this archaic looking device slash mm-hmm. being and it was very um evasive on any line of questioning i love how much that pisses off spot I, I see i see no reason to answer our questions in riddles like we're being reasonable just fucking talk to us and the thing's like yeah shut up you don't know anything spack yeah i'm what? using words that you can comprehend but uh, as usual in shows like this they show history that the current audience can recognize not history mm-hmm. that the show would recognize because that's a big leap and also would require them to create a lot of sequences of historical events that yeah. wouldn't make sense to the viewer um mm-hmm. but we don't see we see a human history we don't even see like a vulcan history which is interesting as no, well like but it does it is specifically tuned to because the majority of the away team are human I think it is specifically tuned to those people's history. I think it's meant to be a tourist thing. I think it's supposed to be, hey, go and have a look at this area. And no! maybe the, the aliens that created it were naive enough to think, well, nobody would tamper. They would just use it to observe. But then how do maybe you get back? Maybe it's a matter of hubris. Well, the, the thing just brings you back. It's like oh, how okay. Spock, Kirk, and McCoy got back. He, they're just like, conveniently, if you fix the timeline, I will bring you back. I kind of like this. Like, I kind of... I wish it would have stuck a little bit more. If we were to modernize this this episode, I think the Guardian would say something like, oh, fuck. You know, <laughs> you guys have to go fix this. I'm yeah. going to be in big trouble. My this fellow will be the Guardians. Lower version. Yeah. yeah and this is my first day on the job. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've been alive for millions of years, but this is technically my yeah. first day on the job. They put us in a really bad position. We get no traffic at all. Mm-mm. There's not even no. like a ricer nearby. We never get anybody here, and I screwed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have opened the portal until everyone signed their agreements. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but if he is a sentient thing that can pull someone back, he should have just pulled McCoy back immediately, right? But then we don't have an episode, Danae. Come don't on. Have an yeah. Just don't let him through in the first place. Like we we still don't have a good explanation of the the Guardians of Forever or the Gate itself. It does reappear in discovery season two or three one of them and we get a little bit more information but it's still very they're very hesitant to elaborate on it yeah yeah there's really so and this is where we have to just suspend our we have to suspend our 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 reasoning and just jump in so mccoy like speed speeds through because he's paranoid doesn't want to be around the people that he thinks are Mm -hmm. attacking him uh for some reason spock can't stop him with his spocky pinch at that point nope too much quadrazine in his blood system clearly he's too powerful i think he hadn't he already squeezed him once yeah, he he yeah, Vulcan he neck pinches him once, and then he wakes up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um he jumps, so he jumps through, and then the future is erased. The ship is gone, communications are gone, and our people, our Spock and our Kirk and our Hura and the no name red shirts are all stranded. Mm-hmm. Who survived? Um, disappointingly, no red shirts were killed in this episode. 
Yeah, I I glad I didn't predict it. I didn't predict that because I yeah. would have got that wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I think like if I understand, <laughs> there's a moment when Spock's like, "Shit, fuck, god damn it! I could have been I'm recording this the whole time. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I am the lowest of amoebas. I am so dumb. I could have been recording this. <laughs> I love it when he just, like it. attacks himself. He's his own universe. He doesn't need your <laughs> criticism. He doesn't need your praise. He is his own." being just on an island it's so fun it was so funny i was like oh yeah yeah you could have shame on you for not yeah, recording no i definitely would have remembered to do that yeah he's like we're we're literally watching history that no one has ever been able to record and i'm yeah. not recording it <laughs> and at, now we the cell phone generation who could record yeah. everything with unlimited cloud access for those of mm-hmm. us willing to spend 9.99 a month um yeah. we are that way leaked. We're just like recording everything. We're just documenting yeah. everything. So my little, I'm going to call my phone my tricorder from now on. It really is. It's my little tricorder, isn't it? It really is. I just need it to make a little constantly re- I mean, sound. It is constantly recording. Um, it, you're, not, just, yeah, you're not wrong. Not for our benefit. Uh, this is a PSA to uh, delete your Timu app immediately. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, for real. Oh my goodness. But anyways, yeah. So, so that was a that was a funny part for me. That was one of the highlights for humor, and I think the humor in this episode really is the back and forth between. Is it the real love story of this episode? Kirk and Spock. Kirk and Spock. Uh, that is an excellent point. And going back to the scene where. Edith is talking to them. That is the real romance here because the things that she describes about Spock and Kirk got me right in the heart. I love it so much because he's she's just like he would clearly follow you everywhere and you never have to ask. Did you hear how he called you captain without even saying well, he captain? He didn't even say captain. Like the way she nails their relationship as if she's been watching 27 episodes of them together. <laughs> He's been by your side forever and always will be. I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. Her character is really intriguing to me. This I love her character. She's one of like the really great love interest throwaway characters. She's so good. Yeah. I I can understand why she would be really interesting for someone like Kirk to like want to get to know better. Mm -hmm. It I, I felt the trauma of him realizing that she may have to die. I loved that Spock just said it. It wasn't this, mm-hmm. well, you know, maybe we can find a way, Captain. He's like, no, she's got to die, dude. Like, he was yeah, so... Yeah, he's... She's... No question. He was so factual, you know, about Throw it. Throw her down the stairs. If you don't do it, <laughs> I will. <laughs> <laughs> but their relationship, Spock and Kirk's relationship is something that I don't get to see very often because we don't Mm. spend a lot of time in the TNG world. And so it's kind of a treat to watch the two of them be isolated from everyone else and and kind of have to survive. And we didn't really get to see a ton together. Like, it was usually Kirk walking in and saying, "Uh, why haven't you created a supercomputer yet, Spock? It's been 10 minutes, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's like the the humor that carries the episode throughout. That's something that was apparently missing from Ellison's script, and something that Gene and um, um, uh, Gene Roddenberry and Gene L. Coon added was some humor between them, and just like Kirk constantly ribbing him, just like, "Why haven't you done it yet?" And so I'm just like, "I'm working with bear skins. Yeah. And I'm trying to make a mnemonic memory device out of bear skins and like lead knives." Stun knives, like quit it. 
I'm I'm performing a miracle here. This should take years, and I'm doing it in weeks. I know, and he's just up there, and every time, like I mentioned earlier, that device is getting more and more intricate. <laughs> it's so good. You see the evolution of it, and it's not like suddenly he has a computer. It's still these like cathode ray bulb things, and it's it's so fun. It's so and such they, a good attention to detail. The sound people uh, brought in also some of the most annoying sounds one can ever hear when you listen to TV, which is just the yeah. like just going on forever. And then what what else was it? I mean, we basically heard dial-up. Like we heard the radio version of dial-up. <laughs> yep. As we kind of saw all the stuff. And you know, she walks in and she's like, what are you guys doing in here? And it seems that they are doing something pretty, pretty wild and crazy. Yeah, um, it was really fun. But it was fun. That was fun to watch. We didn't get to see them interact like they're they're ribbing of each other and like friendship kind of like back and forth is really just in their like glances to each other and their mm-hmm. camaraderie so yeah. i would i'm sure there's so much i'm missing because i haven't watched you know this entire season or anything but for those who have been watching it all along there's probably so much nuance that i'm i'm kind of missing well and it really like gets better on a rewatch as well when you've seen everything all of these little things that they do together mean so much more when you have the rest of their history too so there's not like tons of explicit spock saying i love you but the few times he does are informed by these little episodes where they have a great relationship and the end of this episode for specifically talking about the kirk spock relationship that hit me i think in the right space as well Mm. Like, it all happens really, really fast and also really slow at the same time. But we'll get yeah. to that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've got this moment in time when they see what's about to happen. Kirk and Spock and McCoy, essentially, they all see what's about to happen. She's about to get hit by a car. Mm-hmm. And McCoy goes to jump out and save her. And Kirk stops him. And McCoy, of course, is just horrified. Yeah. And you see the pain in Kirk's eyes. And as he's wrestling with having done the the right thing by time. God, what have I done? But Spock, like McCoy is like, don't you know what you've just done? And Spock's simple line is like, he knows. And it just carried so much weight. Even though Spock is just someone who says it. And they did have a moment where he was kind of like joking. Yeah. Like they joked about his humanity in this one. And again, Spock was like, it's not time for insults, Captain. Like, put your clothes on. But yeah. Here in this moment, he does show a little bit of that humanity, I feel, but still just saying it directly, like he knows, but it's just how he said it. It was really powerful. And then Nimoy manages to like communicate so much emotion through Spock. Like there's pride in that. Like my captain did what he was supposed to do. He knows exactly what he did. He knows he knows his duty. He knows that sacrifice. And there's just yeah. You could overwrite that. You could do so much with it, but oh, it's so it's well written, great delivery, so so so. so oh, it was yeah, super emotional, <laughs> especially because I didn't really know how McCoy was going to play a part in her story. It's Edith, right? Yeah, Edith. Yeah, I I I didn't know if he was going to push her in front of a car because he was crazy. So I didn't know, like, yeah, is he the one that does it? And yeah. Kirk tries to stop him. And this episode could have gone in any different direction to show itself. So I didn't mm-hmm. really know that was 
one of the things that kind of kept you going at this point, which is kind of sick, mm-hmm. but it's like, how is she going to die? Oh, of course, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> you see, it's like Final Destination. You're like, which one of these random objects is going to kill everyone? Yeah. Um. So you have like M- McCoy, though he recovers and he comes to appreciate her. And yeah. the other clever thing this episode does with McCoy um, is he kind of thinks he's in a simulation. If, if this had been done in the era of the um, magical grid place that I can never remember. Holodeck? Yep. <laughs> yep. If if this had been in the time of holodecks, uh-huh. he would be thinking he was on a holodeck. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So my brain immediately went somewhere else there for a second. Like Kirk would be recreating Edith from oh. holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he would. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's not my point. But McCoy, yeah, he's like, I know you're a real being of some sort, whether you're a shapeshifter or an yeah. alien. But he's like in disbelief. He's suspicious as fuck. He's like, I'm not, I'm not traveling through time. What the hell is going on here? Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, and I love that part because he's giving information he absolutely should not be giving, and we right? know that. Uh huh. And that's another clever way that the writers kind of begin to build this tension soup at the end. And the more I think about it, I kind of enjoy the pacing change because even mm. though it did feel a little bit slow, you kind of sink into this reality where. These two guys are trying to survive in the streets and they're just kind of acclimating. And it's sort of nice to be reminded about what time was like in the 30s. Yeah. But it's in the 30s, in the 60s, when it was only 30 years in the yes! past. So they so had close. They had way more like props at the ready. They had made like this they is got like doing a vibe. show in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which we yeah. would be able to tell. We would fucking nail that right yeah, now, you know? I have, I have plenty of 90s clothing I could throw on. But like in 2024, if we were to recreate something in the 30s, we'd have to do quite a bit of work to get the vehicles course, and yeah. get the vibe right, you know? So mm. I was kind of transported back in time. And I'm also able to kind of think when this show aired, this must have been really fun to watch. Like anytime you can watch your supreme characters in closer to your reality it mm-hmm. is really fun like a fish out of water yeah, thing i always think that is yeah yeah so this must have been really fun if anybody listening caught this on on tv when it first came out that must have oh, been sure a joy did. yeah like i like of course you want to see spock take down a police officer and you want to see him in a beanie what he was I, so cute it, in his beanie it's so good and when the amount of times he would like rush for it and then oh it's only kirk and he'd like throw the beanie down i don't <laughs> want to wear the beanie i don't like it but it this does feel like in and it really is a testament to the writing and the influence on the script it it feels like its own little pocket movie it feels like it, it could be an anthology it doesn't feel super duper star trek like it just has this like anthologiness to it where it's just this great sci-fi story that happens to be set in star trek and that's really what what gene roddenberry wanted was it was just a vehicle to tell these great sci-fi stories it's so fun it's fun it was a it was really uh cleverly done because you know mccoy about the time you sink into okay we're in the 30s now they trickle back in mccoy who is not i mean we're seeing spock and kirk create a supercomputer, you know, to to basically slow down their tricorder to show them the images that give them some clues. And that's when we learn mm-hmm. about Edith in one timeline she's dying and in one timeline she's living and trying to like look at the details of that. Um, I imagine it's like going to the library and trying to slow down a microfiche machine. Just like, you know, it's like speeding yes. by and you're just like, wait. Like, Stop it. Mm-hmm. I need that bit. And then you sprinkle in McCoy 
blabbing about being a doctor on the Enterprise and wearing his outfit and coming to and saying, you're not really real. And mm. just that builds attention of this is getting like super dangerous. But he's talking to this Edith character. And again, I just find her super fascinating. This is a like a visionary. This is someone who can see a future. And it seems insane yeah. in a lot of ways. But Oddly then t- specific, one might say. Oh, I mean, it's it's it, in reality, she would have been standing up preaching Jesus. Uh, yeah. But instead, <laughs> she yeah. she's up there preaching science. Preaching and we're sci-fi. Like, yeah. I love it. Let's go. <laughs> it's one of like, this is, there, there's two incredible things about the Edith character. One is Joan Collins. Like everyone was shocked. Like she, Joan Collins is a big deal in even like in the 60s, early in her career. She's a big, big deal. So they're all kind of shocked that she wanted to do it. And naturally, she wanted to do it because her kids love Star Trek. <laughs> so oh. she was like, oh, okay, yeah, that'll be cool. I'll be on this TV show that that my kids really like. That's oh, And that also shows like they were doing this stuff while the show was... They didn't have season one locked. It was broadcasting while they were still making it. It's incredible. Does not happen today. It would not uh. happen. So that blows my mind. And um, so Joan Collins cool. is just incredible well but what, can i be honest i don't yeah. remember seeing her in anything like this might be my no, first time to ever do. see joe yeah. collins is mm-hmm. that weird that's weird no, that's right not weird no not at all i haven't i don't think i've seen a joan collins movie i just know her as this famous titan from the 50s and 60s so you said joan collins i was like oh i know that name like that name is in my brain somewhere mm-hmm but I don't, having not watched a lot of movies and stuff, you know, I'm not like a super diehard, like I watch all movies kind of person. I, yeah. right. When you said Joan Collins, I like, I went and I Googled at the beginning of this podcast recording mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So she's a, obviously a very famous person. I had no idea. And so my first time to see Joan Collins is this episode. Yay. That's it's, amazing. Me she's too. so beautiful. And she yeah. has these. I don't know, like, put on as many filters as you want. She's just, I mean, she's fucking gorgeous. And I, I, she's like almost like a little elf or something. She's got these big eyes and this little bee nose. And, Uh but she really carries every scene that she's in. And she's playing, obviously, this person that runs this, you know, this This businesswoman. mm -hmm, And she's helping people and she's interested in helping people. And then the writers are like, let's fucking kill her. Yeah, let's murder. She's she's not coming back. If we don't kill this woman. Mm hmm. The Nazis are going to blow everything up because they're going to get the bomb first, guys. Well, and that's the... the, the Are the you su- fucking kidding me? There's no other way? That's probably one of my bigger sins. <laughs> There's no other way. You can't... This this is a fucking... I'm sorry. Time give me one is second. dangerous. Give me one second because mm-hmm. I'm getting mad. Here's a beautiful like character that could be just this like dominating person who clearly has enough gusto and intelligence and drive to inspire people to be peaceful mm-hmm. create a movement create an entire movement but you can't just stick around there a little bit and be like listen we're gonna tell you something more from space <laughs> and you just need to hold back a little longer so that we get a bomb and someone else doesn't get a bomb and then you just be yourself baby girl like i think she could have done it i mean it's possible but you don't know and you don't know how many attempts you have at getting this right because then you've got to go back in time and stop yourselves from making the wrong decision that didn't work but this is like this is my favorite favorite part of the story and why i think it's such a stroke of genius is that she is the right person at the wrong time and spock spock nails it he's just like I look don't she's fucking believe that and you know what the chat agrees with me just take her to the future come on 
Come she's on. got she's got the right ideas, but it's just so tragic that she's at the wrong time. Like she's That's very she's, Spock of you. She's putting peace forward yeah. at a time where we don't need America to be peaceful. Like ten years later, yeah. But then again. If she'd have done it later, they maybe didn't get involved with Vietnam, and maybe that's a good thing. I don't. But know. then maybe you would have had like the spread of communism and and whatever. So it's just interesting how like history is just this confluence of things happening at the right or wrong time, and it's just so interesting to pivot history on this amazing person that could have done so much good, but she can't do good right now because the world needed a bit of evil. Oh, it's so interesting. So I think the point, like, I want to see a woman character survive because she must mm-hmm. have just represented such a cool group of people watching this, like, to see this powerful, beautiful woman that believes in science. You know, of course they kill her, but whatever. Like, let's move on from that. I think the point of it really is that we needed to see that the captain is making difficult choices. And that's what the show, I think, is doing for the spock character for the kirk character like yeah they wanted to break kirk in this episode kirk mccoy and spock watched them well one watched himself but the other like his two closest friends watched him make an impossible decision for Mm. the betterment of the future and they have to like go home after that and we've talked about this before the level of counseling these people need to be in space like this yeah because they they face impossible things all the time. And it's one of my favorite parts of watching the show with you is what kind of conundrum are the writers going to put in front of us today? Oh, the conundrums are the best. Uh, Yeah. And in this case, it's an impossible, you know, choice where you have to. (laughs) I think that if I think it's hard, they could have landed on that planet and they could have gone back and tried over and over. They could have Dr. Strange that shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I demand an audience or whatever it is. You're right. That there definitely could have been, there were other ways to do it. You can absolutely sin it for they go this route too easily, but there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at risk. They're meddling with so This is create, this is allowing a person to continue who ends up being a huge figure in history that changes so so much and there's the argument of who's to say which version of history is right mm-hmm. um but they just want to go go back to the norm there's there's an interesting thing here where they could have told her and said this is what's going to happen and let her make the choice and then she sacrifices herself yeah but then she would have the been looking in front of that happen. car and who wants to die by a car kid oh, it's, you? Worse, like, it's a terrible way to go like, if, you, if you know you have to die by a car i guess she could have just made sure that it hit her head the right way so she didn't like yeah. just suffer of internal bleeding for a while mm-hmm. but um you know i i'm thankful to have this kind of conversation with you because you know chad's pointing out too that like the guardian was the one that is in control of the the portal yeah so like in my version in my best version they just are like like let's bring her back but that's not what this episode was giving and they're right like <laughs> this is just not what it did i don't care how the writers got to this this was a great episode i i hate that it had some tumultuous like mm-hmm. that there's some stuff that was uncomfortable for people and obviously like you said it cost a whole bunch of money but what an interesting kind of concept oh, to fascinating put put the characters in history that the audience is very close to in in when it was released and then figure out how to get them back and that was part of that was interesting for me too so everything kind of turns out like it's supposed to turn out 
she fucking dies. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're just, you know, running back through the Super Bowl steam at the end of the game and they see their buddies <laughs> and no time has passed at all. And thank yeah. God, because the uh, the backup plan was them also getting sent through to cause more trouble. Oh, we'll, <laughs> like, we'll wait oh for that God. in the scenes. There's so much that doesn't make <laughs> sense. Kirk is such a dumbass. There's nothing that makes sense about that at all. Yeah, that um, was a silly move. But it, it all kind of works out okay. And then they just, Kirk's like, let's get the fuck out of here. I yeah, need to, I need to go talk to my counselor. Here, I hope dumb. I hope they do. Oh, I hope he I just hope so. immediately makes a phone call. Well, back in the day, it was one episode memory, so Edith is never mentioned again, and Kirk is fine in the next episode. He doesn't even tattoo his body, like hat. Yeah, little Edith, he might. We don't see. We never see him completely naked. We see him shirtless plenty of times, but never completely and, naked. And one button missing on this episode. Oh, mm, oh, my. a button. Yeah, whenever. Oh, because the when he put so on was, his yeah. flannel. I was too busy staring at Leonard Nimoy's like little tufts of chest hair popping out as a beautiful man. So overall, you have now watched what a lot of people believe is the greatest episode of Star Trek ever. Did it meet your expectations? How do you feel overall? And give us a give us some pips now that we've talked it through. I don't know how to answer that question. I guess do you understand why it's gone down in history as such a huge episode of Trek? No. Mm. And that's I think that's what I'm struggling with is from for me I don't I guess it's because Kirk had to kill his girlfriend <laughs> his budding romance girlfriend yeah, and that was like huge, yeah that's a huge that's, that upset. ending is big yeah and this was I mean it was pretty epic there's a lot that happened you have mm-hmm. we haven't even talked about the hobo dying like oh that's in my sins we'll get so to the much. hobo yeah. there's so there's so much that this episode does <laughs> uh it, it, it like I said it's like a little mini movie. Mm-hmm. So I think that gives weight to its epicness. I, I really, okay, for me, an epic sci-fi does something like I really didn't see coming mm. or I'm seeing something I've never seen before or do you know what I mean? But this one didn't do something that is super Maybe back in the 60s different. it did. Right. And that's what I'm trying to like mm-hmm. connect to is that when this came out, I feel like this hit some pretty strong notes. And mm-hmm. so that. I can understand why it's epic. Yeah. I would still give it like the most pips that I can because I thought it was really cool. For me, it's um it's a three pipper. It it's it's so hard to judge it from even the nineties when I first watched it. But in the sixties, this must have been absolutely mind blowing. There is some pacing stuff that still I, I don't come back to it because there is some sketchy pacing in the middle, but I I also can kind of see how much of a disjointed thing this is like there are some scenes where i really like i think about when we go from uh, spock picking the lock to immediately next scene you stole the tools like there are some like really jarring things where i think this would be even if this was like an hour and 15 i know i i and it's i think that would fix some of the pacing stuff where they could put in like the extra scene of being on the enterprise and um, finding it with pirates and then escaping that. I think this as a as a movie, this would be four pips. But having to condense this to fifty minutes makes it a, a three pipper for me. And it just it kind of stands out in Star Trek as well as as just being totally different. But it's Man, a it's a know. great episode. It's a great story. I I think that given given all of the details of how this was made, it's such a different pace. Like. When we were doing the monster episodes, there was this mystery element. This one had a mystery too, you know, and it, mm-hmm. and it had a 
serious note. It had that deep note. It's thoughtful. We saw so many different parts of just scenes and they got to, uh, I don't know. I, I think this one hit a lot of really interesting notes. I, I think I'm going to give it four. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it the highest. Pip. Nice. Well, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. And not it. because I feel pressured, but because. No, I would uh, never assume I, that. Not from you. I really, I don't know. And I really like Edith. Edith's great. Edith's, I, I completely agree. I want more Edith. It is a crime that she has to die at the end, but we don't have the same episode if she doesn't die. This isn't anywhere near as impactful yeah. if they find a way to save her. Like, it's it's perfect for this story. Really yeah, is. yeah. I I think this episode is really doing... It's crazy how much turmoil it had to go through, and it's crazy to think that it yeah. was originally going to be what you described because this is absolutely ugh, like so so different so different i don't yeah. understand how we arrived at this episode <laughs> or who decided that this was going to be an episode that kind of tugged on heartstrings hit a big note about the mm -hmm. importance of one person's death and uh, despite their potential like that's fucked up <laughs> yeah it's really fucked up and i think that's why for me it, it goes down in history as such a good one because it's so it, there, there are so many reasons you could have decided this person has to die but doesn't. But you've made her such a wholesome... Like, she could have created Starfleet and you kill her because she's born at the wrong time. It's so tragic. Yeah. I, if I could change something about this episode, I would give more time to the end of it where there would be a little bit more of all of them together. Like, mm. almost validating her a little bit. She dies. Her death, to me is her looking across, watching these three, realizing that they have to be from... Like, it's all connected is, now. Why she can't hear a car coming is because she's so... She's looking at the answer to all of her most important questions. Yeah. And she dies right then. Like, how mm -hmm. fucking cool is that as a writer? How it's insane really cool. is that? And then, and then to pivot over to, like, the person that killed... The people who made the choice to kill her... That's so great. Like, that is so juicy. How yes. do you give that four pips, you monster? It's amazing. <laughs> it's great. No, it's... it's. There's there's bits of it that are definitely worth four pips. But if I... In my heart of heart... And this is a per, this is why recommendations are so, like, personal. My personal experience is that it's a three pip. But there's just bits of it that don't completely sing for me. It kind of reminds me of, of, of a story that is only slightly related to what we're talking about. So I'm going to derail for a moment. When I was a little girl, my dad was tasked with making something for my for us to eat. I don't remember much about what happened. I think I remember that my mom was like, it's your, you know, you need to make something. And I think I remember dad looking at the zucchini and looking at some flour and some eggs and being like, I think I'm, I think I'm going to try to bread this zucchini and I think I'm going to put it, see what happens. I think he put it in the oven all I remember is that what came out was super crispy, definitely burned zucchini crisps. And I remember that somebody was upset about it. I think that was my mom because I don't think anyone else was around. I was probably like six when this happened. And I loved it. it they tasted so good. They were super, super crispy. Aww. And I loved it. And, so, and I wasn't lying. I wasn't saying, you know, dad, you did a great job at eating just to make him feel better. Like... A trash fire happened and it was lovely. And that kind mm -hmm. of feels like this episode. There That's was a great metaphor. Yeah. A lot going on. It was de mm -hmm. definitely too many cooks in the kitchen. It was probably oh, in there sure. a little too long. But whatever came out, 
some people were probably like already just turned off by it. Maybe it smelled a little burned and crispy. We could have left it in longer and it could have done something else, but maybe it was right at that tipping point where we would have had something terrible had it not been created like it was. And that is why this is now the overcooked zucchini episode in my mind. I love it. I think it's absolutely perfect. Just like the history of Edith herself, this confluence of events that came together to make this crazy episode um, is something that I can imagine... Like to make this episode, you have to go through the Guardians of Forever portal to go back in time and make sure everybody <laughs> doesn't get along to make sure that this episode happens. Well, now that we've thoroughly taken it apart, let's go and do some sins. Any any other notes, actually, before we go to engineering? Nope. I'm ready to go. Battle stations, everyone. Red alert. Red alert. Warning. Warp core collapse in 10 seconds. This is the part of the show where we re-engage our sin brains and remind ourselves that no TV show is without sin, even absolutely classic episodes of Star Trek. <laughs> I'm going to go first because this fucking hobo. Okay, let's talk about this. It's so bad. I don't know why this scene exists other than here's the dangers of technology. Like, it feels like such a aside. Like, there's an entire subplot that we're missing here. McCoy chases this hobo, befriends him, assumes they're on the right the same side passes out hobo mugs him takes the phaser flicks it about accidentally sets it on overload and vaporizes himself and then that's it we never talk about this again well i'm glad we're talking about it now because i did not know that was a phaser yeah i thought i thought that that was like a beard shaver (laughs) so the original series the original series phases were like the gun things but the middle bit, the the black bit, actually pops out to be this handheld palm phaser. Um, and yeah, it, that's what it is. It's just more convenient. You can conceal it. I don't think it's quite as powerful, but hell, it'll vaporize you. So that's if what you happened. Flick a switch I rock, literally he gets thought vaporized. that he was just yeah. beamed out of there. No, he Cause... vaporizes himself. He's dead. So so can you vaporize a phaser too then? Because the phaser disappeared as well, yeah? Yeah, it's set to overload. So it vaporizes itself. Okay. Yeah. It's not just that he fired it. He accidentally set it to overload. So, A, you shouldn't be able to accidentally overload a phaser that easily. (sighs) But, yeah, it's wild. And, yeah, it is. I did do a little bit of research. There is a subplot there where there's this war vet that befriends Kirk and he's the one that has to make a sacrifice and he steals a phaser and prevents somebody from doing something shady. I just, I don't know why you keep that in at all. Because that's not where this story goes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's so weird. It's I, and I don't know what benefit there is to the story, other than showing like the dangers of McCoy being in the past. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. But I'm glad to know now that he wasn't beamed. Although I am sad that he is dead. Maybe they're he just died. trying to do something about like the importance of gun safety. Who knows? Well, in the original script, they do talk to the guardian about uh about the why didn't he make a difference to history and the guardian's just like he was insignificant (laughs) so i think the point originally at some point might have been not every change is crucial so that's why it kind of explains the butterfly effect away so just by kirk and spock being there they should have changed history but the fact that time is more of like an ebb and flow and certain things will happen, it kind of self-writes itself. So yes, this hobo could die, but he wasn't important, so it doesn't matter. Interesting. Or but Edith dying is important. 
Kirk and Spock were always meant to be there, so that was part of it. That's the only way time travel really works, is that what yeah. happened always happened. Okay. Yeah. Your turn, Ambassador. Man, I, I do not like whenever I see silverware on a table without a napkin in between. That's just not okay <laughs> with me. Yeah. I mean, I think even the napkins in the 30s were dirty. I think they may have been dirtier mm-hmm. than a tablecloth. Probably. I don't think any cutlery was safe to use in the 30s. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Um, but, 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 but there is just no alarm when McCoy beams himself off the ship. He's just, he has the wherewithal to beam himself somewhere. He's lucky it's aiming at the planet. He could have just got beamed into space. And there's no alarm to say that somebody beamed off the ship. I just think no. that should be easy things in place. Those should have been in place. Yeah. I did not write down a lot of sins in this episode because I was enjoying myself. <laughs> Yay! Uh, which is cool. I like it. I genuinely um, didn't know if you would enjoy it. I was worried it might be too lovey dovey airy fairy. Okay, so their love interest with each other it seemed to be to me more like interest. It was more like a a Attention. curiosity at first, and then yeah. and then she kisses him. I think on the stairs, but yes, I didn't think that she was like because you mentioned that you thought that she was kind of falling in love quickly. But if you're a woman in the 30s talking about science and you meet a man that doesn't immediately say, why haven't you had children yet? I think I would probably fall in love pretty quick too. <laughs> when did um, that happen? And then I think like, but I think Kirk saying, I think I'm falling in love, that seemed a bit sinful. That was more sinful to mm. me because I would assume that it would be more difficult for him to find something interesting in a partner than just, the gorgeousness of this woman <laughs> well to be fair he does like appreciate her foresight as well like when she's giving the soup kitchen talk he's kind yeah. of like wow she is on the money like it is it's uncanny so i think there's lots of her personality he likes as well and they're there for weeks like that's that's only slipped in in a couple of lines but they are there for about two weeks they're there for a week before mccoy gets there and they're there for at least a week after he's arrived as well. So uh, two weeks is still quick to be changing all of history to fall in love with someone, though, I guess. I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my next one is that Kirk's time travel plan is fucking insane. And it shows a massive misunderstanding of how time works and it shouldn't work. And the dumbest part of it is when he turns to Spock, uh, to Scotty, Hura, and the, the two red shirts and says, if this doesn't work... A, how would they know it doesn't work? How long do they wait? If this doesn't work, follow us in there (laughs) and try again. And even if we, even if you're not successful, you'll be in the past somewhere. Somewhere. A, how do you know they're not going to fuck up the timeline even worse? B, how can they try something else when your versions of you are there trying something as well? They would just bump into you. You may as well just all go in together because it's not like you don't know that they're going to reset everything and have a fresh attempt at this i I don't know what he expects them to do that they couldn't do all together and see even if they wanted to go back spock's gone with the fucking tricorder there he went how are they going to know spock and his incredible brain was trying to piece together the exact second to jump through and now you've just got a tricorderless scotty and ahura what uh-huh. the fuck are they gonna do? They've yeah. got nothing now. Yeah. They don't She's have a She's gonna Vulcan. be queen of the Nile. She's gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna go there because they're gonna worship me. And yeah, go. <laughs> and let's go. Like it's just, it's so insane. This is not a plan B. There is no. There is plan A 
and you're lucky you're getting mm-hmm. that everybody goes yep everybody everybody go. oh but i liked how Insane. he's like he, he looks at the tricorder he's like and one and two like he's about to go play double dutch <laughs> he's like, he's yeah. like go go and go. go and go and just, <laughs> spock's struggling there's no way uh spock uh scotty and ahura uh, there is no attempt from them it's just it's so dumb your sin. That one really gets me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he runs um, away with the tricorder. I really like this one from Chad. This is from David. And this is going to kind of go alongside with one of mine that I had in the moment when Sulu, like my sin would just be, because, you know, like the whole console explodes. And I think yes. my sin was going to be Sulu's eyebrows survive this. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. That was like a firework going Big off. explosion. There, yeah. There is some danger on this set. Maybe I should just mm-hmm. do a danger sin and there would be that one combined with yeah. Joan Collins actually falling down some stairs. She acted her heart out. She like trips and falls. She's literally on stairs and mm-hmm. uh, he, and she's caught. That was crazy. But also Sulu's eyebrows. Um, And then mm-hmm. in that same moment, the sin from David is all the misery and heartache of this episode could have been avoided if the home console had a surge protector. Things are exploding on the Enterprise way too easily. They, it's re- crazy. they really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's so much. Uh, Flyboy says it's the 23rd century and saw some circuit breakers and maybe Sue's panel wouldn't have blown up in his face. <laughs> Love it. But you know what? It looked yeah. cool. It looked <clears throat> really cool. Yeah. It really did. That was one yeah. of the better explosions. Like they were really afraid of blowing stuff up because it was expensive to repair it. Expensive, in- but also people's eyebrows. And- yeah. That too. People I'm not have really worried hair. about the eyebrows. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Kirk barely has eyebrows, and he still does okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, huge sin. Don't use your real names, Kirk. I'm James T. Kirk, and this is Spock. I like. I'm that, John though. Smith, and this no, is no, no, this no. is Jason no, 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 Smith. No. Like, the whole, no, the whole point was that she could tell if you were lying because she's a superhuman somehow. He doesn't know that. She says, "I'll know if you're lying." She's like, "Don't lie to me," and I loved that part of this Just episode. Just lie. Huh? Double double down on that. He's like, I'm not lying. And don't, then you get kicked out because she has name. super sensory powers. <sighs> don't did you, use your Did you don't pick you up on Spock. that though? How do you believe Spock is a real name? Like, why wouldn't you believe his name's Kevin? <laughs> like, stop it. I I'm Spock glad that you brought it up. up because it was one of my favorite parts that sort of to me showed that Kirk was respecting her. Because she mm-hmm. said something like, that's a really bad lie. And he chose to say the truth. Like he, when he says, and this is, and we all know his name is Spock. We can hear it in our imagination. Mm-hmm. And he could have been like Kevin. <laughs> but <laughs> instead he says the truth. And she gives this look like, okay. And she believes mm-hmm. him. And I think that's part of why the rapport okay. is built between the two that. of them and those characters. Mm-hmm. And she has to deal with drunks and thieves and all kinds of all kinds of people in her line of work so i guess she has to be a good judge of character too okay, okay. I, think, I, I, think he, I think that was the point that they were going for is yeah. that he chose to tell the truth she chose to keep him around and it even comes back around whenever he's like yeah we need to steal these tools because we need them and she, her I, I feel like the point that they were trying to make is if you're honest with me you can do some shit that's a little bit sketchy but you need to tell me what's going on that was kind of something i really did enjoy is that we didn't have too much of them having to lie and fit in and the fact that edith is so like in tune with what the future could be allows her to accept 
some of the craziness that's happening and she kind of welcomes it. I just remembered a line that I thought was really funny. And that's when Spock's like, I need a couple pounds of platinum. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) a a square block about five pounds will do. And Kirk's just like, are you you kidding me right now? Yeah, Here's a fucking doorknob. Do something with this. I got to get some baloney. What do you want? (laughs) What do you want from me? Oh (sighs) my God. That was really funny. Sorry. Okay, back into the sins. Go on. It's your turn. Oh, you rebutted um, my sin. When Spock and Kirk first arrive in the streets of Mayberry, uh, they're trying to be a bit covert at some point. They kind of acclimate mm. and then realize that they're a fish out of water. And the ears are going to be a problem. Yeah. Kirk goes into the alley to get the clothes. And Spock, rather than going down into the alley to get out of the view of people, just kind of stands there and watches him like a beacon of confusion. Like just this giant look yeah. at me and my weird clothing. Um, I I just feel like Spock would know better. I feel like he would have at least stepped forward and been a little bit more strategic. But that's kind of, I mean, a nitpicky is what we do. But that's something that bothered me. It, that seemed out of place because if you're gonna go back in time and you're not trying to change the, t- the timeline, you wouldn't stand mm-hmm. out in the street while your captain scales. They're kind of yeah, and they're kind of whimsical about the whole thing and getting caught and yeah kirk's just like you seem to enjoy me talking to the police officer like the stakes yeah. don't seem very established but it's that time in the episode where you need a bit of whimsy yeah i guess we do talk also about when these characters go into what we perceive to be very dangerous situations to them it's like a tuesday at two yeah they're they're so, so this is a holodeck for them it kind of feels that way yeah i my version of danger and stupidity and their version of danger and stupidity are light years apart because they deal with the most dangerous mm-hmm. situations on a regular basis. So it's kind of like, for me, I'm like, why are you acting so casual? And for them, they're like, yeah, we're going to figure it out. We'll, well either change time and we won't change time. It's not a big deal. Exactly. It's the problem with the time travel episodes. And this does get a little bit of a pass because the Guardian of Forever is there and you can say that the Guardian is guardianing the things that need to be guardianed, but I not guess. this specific thing. But I would have loved it if they get the clothes and the, the clothes belong to somebody that had a job interview that day and they go on to be the like the general of NASA or something like that, but they missed the job interview because Kirk and Spock stole their clothes. Yeah. That's the comedy They're version of this episode. They're perfectly fitting clothes too. Ding. Very convenient. Very, very convenient. There's one size fits all be- beanie. Amazing. Anything else, Ambassador, before we wrap up? Nope, that's it for me. I feel like a landmark episode. We covered yeah. one of the really big ones. It's really fun. If you would have, if you would not have told me before the show, I wouldn't have had any idea. No, I and I don't, I wouldn't have either. And this is why I three-pipped it, because just personally, for me, it, it's missing some of the... I'm judging it as like an episode of Star Trek, not like an episode of... Yeah high prestige science fiction which which harlan ellison definitely wanted it to be um but yes we're going to take a hard left turn next week we continue our unconventional love um uh, series and we, we are going to go back to deep space nine with the second most requested episode from you guys the listeners um looking for pop mach in all of the wrong places this is uh, i'm not going to say anything more about it it's deep space nine Okay. It's it's fascinating. Anything. Join us next week. <laughs> We're looking for Parmach in all of the wrong places. Yeah, and keep sending us your emails. Captain's Pod at cinemasins.com. 
uh, CaptainsPod at CS. I promise I will look at the DMs on X slash Twitter and Discord.gg um, slash CinemaSins. Send us your recommendations. I do know what the next theme is going to be. Are you telling people already? Shall we tell people now so that they can get their requests in for the sure. next season? Or should we hold on to it for a little bit longer? I think you should do that because then you have you have weeks and weeks of, of gathering and that way you can say the most requested episode. Yeah. If you do it with only one week, I feel like they won't have mm-hmm. enough time to respond. Yeah, we have a few more episodes in the Unconventional Love series that we're going to do. I'm tempted to do like five, like do this in themes of five. So like five episodes of this, five episodes of the next so that would mean we've got four more to do. And I do have four that you guys have requested. The next theme is going to be time travel, everyone. We're going to no, do... we just did time travel. Wait, what? Today's when? episode is a time travel episode, Eon. We'll watch it again then. <laughs> Great. The next theme is going to be the f- is going to be five time travel episodes. Not necessarily the best, but give us your favorites. There is one that I'm going to put in there just for me. But the other four... Uh, assuming you don't request the one that I that I want to pick, but yeah, send us your emails, your favorite favorite episode, time travel episodes that span any season of Star Trek, whatever you like. I cannot wait for this. It's going to be so much fun. But we still have a few more weeks of lovely episodes, and until next week, I'm Captain Ian, and I have to go construct a mnemonic memory device using stone knives and bear skins. And I'm happy to be in a zinc plated vacuum tube culture. That was my second one. I was gonna do that too. That's amazing. That's the best. Spock is the Spock is the best. We love him. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Thanks for listening. Want to connect with the show? Our hailing frequencies are always open through Captain's Pod at Cinemasins.com. Like, comment, and subscribe on your podcast player of choice, and be sure to visit Cinemasins.com. Oh my god, look at Dr. McCoy in that picture. Just in t- Oh wait, that's that's not the one I was gonna throw up. It's this one. Yeah. <laughs> Sudden scream. That's rough. DeForest like knew he was only in this episode for like six minutes and just acted he made the it work. shit out Every- of all of them. He just ate it up. <laughs> what happened? I didn't put any sugar in my coffee. Venture to say that if you feel that strongly about coffee that doesn't have sugar in it, you probably shouldn't have coffee at all. I probably don't like coffee. No, I need the effects, not the taste. Um, <laughs> unless it's that berry. There's one other from things you rock. can. There's other things you can do. I think you coffee- like cordrazine, apparently. <laughs> okay, welcome to engineering, the part of the show where we grab a phaser and shoot a hobo. Link says last week we did not do Moopsie versus the Q continuum. Mm, who would win? Moopsie versus Q? I think it's Q. Q. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Q's winning that one. Who will we put versus Moopsie? The Guardian. Listen, if Moopsie were to go back in time, <laughs> it would break everything. It would break everything. Yeah. So that's how humanity Moopsie would ends. win, but then like everybody would be dead. That's amazing. Uh, sin in the present, even after the Enterprise is gone. Spock is able to use his tricorder, but in the past, it can't be used unless tied into a computer. Convenient plot device is convenient. Yeah, that's a new thing, isn't it? I think they're establishing that the tricorders are networked to the Enterprise computer, and so they're not, they don't work unless they're within Bluetooth range of the Enterprise, which is an interesting rub, and it's to time delay the mystery, for sure. 
History lover Sin says, Edith says that her young man was taking her to a Clark Gable movie and Clark Gable had only done extra work in movie and was a stage actor the year this episode is set. Oh, that's a really good sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she was acting like Clark Gable oh, was like the shit. Interesting. Everybody but, should know who Clark Gable is. Yeah, but maybe he wasn't that's popular. What? He wasn't famous. Ooh, good one. Oh, I love it. Like yeah, it, like that's it. a nice point. There was a moment when we were watching this where uh, Uhura went around the left side of the portal and then like the other group went on the right side. They were looking for McCoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you said there's there's Ahura's butt cheek or something like you're like because yep. so this is interesting fun fact from David the original velour uniform shirts had a tendency to shrink when washed <laughs> toward the end of a season they'd be very short that's why McCoy's shirt is almost a crop top but is it yeah. also why her hers was riding up even higher you just see her underwear it's straight up red underwear you just you see it it's 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 a thing. I want to point this out, too, because this is a really, really good point from Nick. Not saving her is very different from choosing to kill her. This isn't the finale of Seinfeld. I introduce you to the trolley problem, Nick. You know this. It's still a choice. Not choosing is still a choice. You are choosing. You have knowledge. Is it like second degree or something? Like where you there's there's like intentional murder, but then there's Mm -hmm. like murder by not helping when you know inaction. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not wrong. Like, it, you're not actively choking someone to death. You're sitting mm-hmm. back watching them get killed when you know that they're going to get killed. Yeah. Now, in a world where a these three go made. to court, how would they prove that they're from the future and had knowledge that they were going <laughs> to... Like, yeah, this court case isn't going anywhere, for this sure. This is a really yeah. strange sort of situation, for sure. Yeah. But You won't be able yeah. to prosecute. Definitely not. Great suggestions for time travel episodes. Little Green Men cause and effect um do they have to yeah, email these it. in to be submitted or are you gonna um, keep track it would help it would help if you could send them to me in Captain's an email at because then i have them all in i have a folder for, for requests um nick um want some clarification omg do we do good time travel or terrible time travel because the terrible ones are the funniest uh agreed i just want your favorite like no doesn't have to be the best just your personal favorites if that qualifies as it being a stupid one go for it <laughs> link says does doctor who count as a time travel episode? oh my god okay specifically star trek time Can travel you imagine random there would be riots what if we released an episode and we just didn't tell anyone that it was actually an episode of doctor who and the entire podcast audience just heard us talking about a doctor who episode trying to figure out where it was in star trek world i don't want to fuck with our audience like that <laughs> i don't think they'd appreciate it I think that would be funny for about two minutes. The outtakes always has Danae's soundcheck pre-show routine. Oh. Oh, yeah. Always. I, yeah. Okay. I kind of cut that from my audio today. I, was, I wasn't I was really thinking about that being a thing. Why did you cut it? How Is how it, did you cut it? Well, because like I, I so I, I do my soundcheck and then I go back and I listen to it to make sure everything is working properly. Right. Then I hit record again and I keep going. But this time I hit record and recorded over it. But that's all, that's all the outtakes. That's all I put in there. Check. <laughs> oh, no. Much better. Oh, I'm gonna do. I look like him. 
<laughs> I'm so sorry.